Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! Today is Thursday, January 7th, 2016, here in the relatively warm 34 degree South Perry district of Spokane, Washington. Mustachio and I are very pleased. The book is done. This has been a work in progress for about 10 years, similar to William James. His book on consciousness took around 10 years to write, and our approach was a bit similar in that much of the information William James and several other and several other authors gained was through life experience rather than sitting in a classroom or regurgitating what someone else had said. William James was an explorer, Charles Darwin an explorer, and we would like to consider ourselves explorers of consciousness and life experiences as well. Now the finishing touches will be put on the book and it will be released and peace will be restored. (laughs) Today's episode, season one, episode 11, will go over the second part of the pish posh words. To clarify, what is a pish posh word? They are 20 words which through calculating logic, discovering if a speaker is speaking logically. So that's what I mean by calculating logic. And we went into a deeper explanation of what that is in previous episodes. Basically, analyzing a speaker. And these 20 words pop up frequently when a person says something from a subconscious process rather than consciously formulating words. That's really what it boils down to. Speakers who are within the present moment and speaking from a place of logic tend to omit these 20 words or use them sparingly as we will go over uh, such as love. That's not a word to omit, but one to use sparingly. Be conscious of the meaning of love, that it's intended to be for a life form rather than an inanimate object. And on a positive note, Dr. Amit Goswami is conducting another online class through Glidewing. That's a G-L-I-D-E-W-I-N-G, Glidewing. It's a website which hosts spiritual teachers, kind of um, those who teach beyond current paradigms. I do encourage folks to check out the website. I'm not familiar with other teachers and uh, professors, instructors, whatever they may be designated as. Who knows, maybe a favorite author of somebody out there is giving a similar online instructional format. So, (laughs) 
Nastasio does point out to clarify uh, why I am taking the class again. <laughs> and this is common for me. Throughout my academic career, I tend to take classes twice. I used to joke that my GPA in school was a W. <laughs> so withdraw. <laughs> Most of the times those W's were because I thought the content was crap and the teachers were crap and it was just a bunch of propaganda that was devoid of critical thinking. The reason why I'm taking Dr. Goswami's class again is because the timing was off. I was deeply focused on writing the book, analyzing the feedback received, then the power went out and um, my focus was elsewhere. And we talk about moral judgments in today's episode. I wouldn't consider that good or bad or right or wrong. It just is. It was less than ideal timing. And now I have a bit more time to prepare. The class starts February 13th and goes through March for four weeks. And it gives me a goal. I would like to have the book in print and be working on the next project getting that uh, released as well by the time the class starts. I do encourage folks to join the class. It would be neat to be in there with listeners and other explorers of consciousness. Dr. Amit Goswami talked about quantum physics in a digestible format. His approach is similar to our approach here at 3H2, by simplifying things, giving examples, humanizing learning, rather than having that university hoity-toity, memorize a bunch of crap perspective. It's about relating to the material and essentially transposing complicated theories into everyday life. That's where deep learning comes from. The simplification of complex theories into examples from everyday life. I do encourage folks to come on into the classroom and there is a discount for registration until January 31st. I have registered for the class and am excited. And uh, Mustachio and I were talking about updates. We have talked about many things in the prior podcasts, things such as in the preparedness episode, obtaining items, to be prepared and we have vegetarian meals the MREs the instant freeze-dried meals which oddly finding vegetarian ones was more difficult than I anticipated and it cracks me up on the front packages many of them would say pasta with vegetables and then I'd flip it over and then say with chicken protein and all kinds of stuff so do read the labels when seeking food, either freeze-dried food or food in general. Knowing what is being put into the body is perhaps a wise decision. And one uh, little quick story. I was down at the shop a while ago. A gentleman sat next to me. The coffee shop was pretty much empty. So that kind of irritated me a little bit. I like my space when I'm somewhere. And this happens frequently. It seems like no matter where I go, people sit next to me. <laughs> Even if there's uh, empty seats everywhere. 
<laughs> and this happened at a restaurant too. The restaurant was empty and these two ladies sat right next to me and then just started chatting about terrible things. And I packed up my stuff, grabbed my food and moved because I didn't want to listen to their gossipy nonsense. It's uh... So the point is be respectful. When being in public, if there are 20 open seats, open tables, perhaps don't sit right next to the one person who is there. <laughs> I'm at the shop and this uh, gentleman sitting next to me and I can just feel him looking at me and watching me and it was frustrating. I have spoken before in the opting out of social media episode that I am sometimes a bit quick-tempered. I recognize my primitive instincts kick in and I become defensive and a bit aggressive if somebody is all up in my business. Um, I started to feel that way, uh, just uncomfortable. One of my habits when I write is I get my little trinket and I take a picture of what I'm doing as a, a timestamp, a way to track my progress so that when I go over the day, I see, okay, I wrote today. It's a way for me to track patterns. So I take the picture and the guy says, oh, must be important. And he sassed me. <laughs> oh, I was not very happy. <laughs> Because one, he's sitting three feet away from me in an empty spot and I could just feel that there was something going on that he wanted to talk to me or uh, I, I wasn't quite sure what it was, but there was some tension I felt. And then the first thing he says is, oh, must be important in a sassy tone. And I think this may be because people take pictures of everyday occurrences and post them online and do all that. I imagine he assumed that's what I was doing. I was gonna take a picture and post it and share it with the world and I wasn't sharing it with him and it was uh, very strange. For me, in those instances, I kind of have two modes. Either I run my mouth and I desire to consciously connect with the person to sift through the subconscious bullshit and get to the heart of what's going on, or I just remain silent. In that situation, because he sassed me, and I imagined I would just be sassy right back, I remained silent. And I thought, okay, I'm just gonna let this go. I'm gonna pretend like I didn't hear him and just continue with my work. Because I was keeping to myself. I'm very cognizant of being quiet. I have my phone on silent. I don't listen to videos. That's another thing that drives me crazy. People in public will have their phones on and watch videos and just be very disruptive to others in the area. So I'm respectful and I keep to myself. So for him to do that, I was displeased. And a little test of the universe, about a minute after he said that, his phone rang. So here we are in this quiet coffee shop, then his ringer goes off and then he's yapping on the phone, causing a big old ruckus. And I wanted to say to him, oh, must be important, you know, for disrupting things. But I didn't because I found in life, taking the high road feels better. 
as much as my primitive instincts and my ego and my subconscious processes wanted to be sassy and put him in his place and do all that, it's, uh, I don't believe that's a healthy way to live. So I dealt with it as I normally do. (laughs) I packed up my things and I moved to the other side of the room. And when he saw me packing up and I kind of, I shot him a bit of a gaze uh, to let him know I was displeased with him all up in my business and then causing a big ruckus. He had said, oh, I've seen you here and you always seem so happy and I wanted to talk to you, but I haven't been able to. And I was shocked and surprised. I thought he was going to sass me some more. But it was his consciousness that came through. Soul-based communication and vulnerability to approach me in that way and to say, hey, I'm kind of curious what your deal is, but in a nice way. And I felt a little bit uh, disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to reach out and to, in a sense, reward him for being honest and changing his tone. From the other end of the continuum, at first he was sassy and disruptive, and he had switched to vulnerable and admirable of what I represent. That to him, I represented someone happy, someone who possesses characteristics that he admired and would like to see more in himself. And this is common for me when I interact with people. What is said and what is perceived on a surface level is often opposite of what is going on deep inside the person, inside their soul. I do believe each human has a kind soul, a good heart. So we talk about good as being omnipotent and of the divine. I do feel there is that divine goodness in each human. And that's why I'm writing Pish Posh Words, A Conscious Approach to Communication. (laughs) I want to figure out how I can interact with people of this nature, where on the surface, people sass me and act aggressively, but I see past that. I can dig in deep, get past that candy coating into the, the good milk chocolate. And it's difficult, and it's taken 10 years to figure out how. But I do feel Mustachio and I are closer than ever. We're not quite there. We're still chipping away at that candy coating. But the incident with the gentleman at the coffee shop reminded me that the mission I'm on, the passion I have, the purpose which drives me is something which will benefit my life and the lives of others. To where if that gentleman at first could communicate consciously and would have said in the beginning, right when he sat down, hey, I've seen you around, kind of wondering what your deal is. You got that little trinket thing. You're always happy. What's your secret sauce? And then we could have had an adult conscious conversation. But instead, I believe he was thinking, oh, what do I say? How can I approach her? And just running it over in his head. And non-locally and intuitively, I could feel that. I could feel the tension and it went to someplace dark. I think that's what happens when the ego gets involved, when thoughts are 
overthought. And it happens with me too. If, um, let's say there's someone that has a really neat hairstyle. If I don't immediately just say, oh, wow, your hair is awesome. That's really neat. How'd you get those braids to twist up like that? And if I just keep looking at the person and then wondering and thinking, how can I say it? That person knows there's something going on and that there's some sort of tension. And I experience it too frequently, but I have learned the sooner I speak up, the sooner I approach someone, the better off I am. And I do hope folks who ingest, reflect, and modify the content of Pish Posh Words, A Conscious Approach to Communication, will be able to consciously communicate and remain on the positive end of the continuum. I feel that's where health, happiness, and a humble perspective can be found with speaking our minds speaking from the soul rather than overanalyzing how to break the ice and then creating non-local tension. After the gentleman had opened up and was vulnerable, I still moved. I just, I hit my breaking point. I couldn't be that close to him, but I, you know, smiled and chatted with him. And then I had seen him uh, one more time after that. And I smiled and I waved. I was cordial, but frustrated. And mostly with myself. I thought all this time it would be easier, which it is, but it's not optimized. And that's what I seek, is to optimize my ability to communicate with others and to teach that optimization so we can all enjoy ourselves. And in particular, oh, customer service with these big companies, even small companies, drives me absolutely crazy where I have to ask the same question over and over and there's just chit chat and nonsense and um, the pish posh theories and forms of communication will greatly improve a person's customer service ability in part by increasing awareness and, and focus. When I got my new phone, because the last one broke. I'm grandfathered in on an unlimited plan. And I was first working with one gentleman who didn't know his ass from his elbows. Then the manager came and I looked at the plan and it said three gigabyte limit. And I said, what, what is this? I have an unlimited plan. He's like, oh no, that's just uh, texting. That, that doesn't mean anything. And then I looked over the bill again and I saw that in black and white, it said my plan was changed. And then I pointed it out to him and he said, oh, whoops, oh, that's a mistake. Let me fix that. And it's things like that. I feel like when I work with people in customer service, I need to do their job for them. And that's not my job to do other people's jobs in terms of customer service. But I think people lack awareness. Their mind is on 15 other things. And I don't think it's because they don't want to do a good job or that they don't care. Because I do believe people want to be appreciated and complete tasks in an ideal way. But it comes down to awareness and <sighs> what else, Mustachio? I don't know, but it, it's, it's making me crazy. <laughs> oh, but soon, I, I think things will change. I feel there are many people like me out there who do give a shit 
and who are talking about these subjects and who want to influence change and increase awareness and conscious soul-based communication. Because it doesn't matter how much money is in a person's bank account, if they're dealing with crappy customer service issues with daily life objects such as a phone or a utility bill or something of that nature, it's gonna be difficult to reach peacefulness. And that's my objective. I would like to have a sense of peacefulness within my life. <laughs> and that's a, a funny thing. I feel like a jerk when I communicate with people. I have to say, you know, repeat back to me what is going on. Because uh, there are many times where I ask questions. I'll say, okay, is this what will be going on? Please confirm the, the stipulations of our agreement. And then the person will come back, yeah, everything's okay. How was your holiday? It's like, <laughs> no, no, do not ask me how my holiday was before we even reach a pink zone understanding of our terms, of what business we'll be conducting and what is expected of each partner. That's what it, in a lot of ways, boils down to what is expected of each partner and having those parameters clearly identified within the pink zone in an email in some sort of written format where a month later when the business deal is complete it's not a he said she said type of situation hold each party accountable for their end of the agreement and i think that goes with everyday conversations customer service, life in general. Clearly identify parameters, the variables that go into communications, and then talk about chit-chat. But it drives me absolutely crazy when people want to talk chit-chat before the work is even started. <laughs> so uh, those of all y'all out there who have conducted business with me, I know uh, sometimes I may seem cold or like a jerk. It's, those are ego-based emotions. I like to be productive and separate work from chit-chat and pleasure. and all. Okay, not pleasure, but I don't like the bullshit when there's food on the fire. I just think that is a silly, counterproductive way to conduct business. And I'm all for it. Let's get the work done stay focused, produce quality, and then go out and have some beers or go bowling or whatever it is. I'm all about having fun, but I'm not all about having fun before the work is complete because that work is gonna be on my mind and essentially the fun, the chit-chatting, all of that stuff will be put into temporary memory and then dumped. So it's essentially useless on a neuronal level and in a long-term memory level. Okay, <laughs> so there's my two cents. <laughs> All right, we will go ahead and scurry on along. Uh, today, we will be talking about the second part of the Pish Posh Words. It will be similar to episode number 10, the same format of identifying the word, what categories it falls into, a suggestion for replacement, the definition of the word, then some backup explanation of the word, and three action items to complete in three weeks. 
Additionally, we go over five movies and five podcasts. The five movies are Idiocracy, Words and Pictures, First Wives Club, Fearless, and Major League. The podcasts are Star Talk Radio, Stuff You Should Know, The Joe Rogan Experience, Food as Medicine, and Starting from Nothing. Today's listener challenge talks about a daily supplement goal chart card. That's what I call these things. I've been making them for about two years now and they have helped me tremendously in terms of keeping track of progress, holding myself accountable, and motivating me to live a healthy, happy, and humble life. So we go over some of the basic components of a daily supplement goal chart, and then it's simple and cost-effective. I have a three by five note card and I just cut it in half. On the left column, I write healthy habits, such as exercising, eating fresh vegetables, taking vitamins, those types of things. And then on the top, I put the date, then draw a grid. And if I complete the task for the day, I just put an X. Boom, easy. And I can look back and see, oh, I haven't taken my multivitamin in two days. It's probably a good idea to take that today. Or I've been exercising every day for the last seven days. Maybe it's a good time to take a break. And memory, human memory, is faulty in many ways. I like to have pink zone tangible items to help me keep track of reality. (laughs) Oh, reality. What a strange phenomenon. (laughs) All right, so that about wraps it up for today. Mustachio and I are going over ideas for the next episode. We may do a throwback episode. We have about 100 recordings already done from the past covering a wide range of topics. There is a topic that is desired for us to go over. Please shoot us an email and we may have it in the archives or we might just bust out a new 10 list. We're here to help. We, uh, in healing others, we heal ourselves. It's that warrior mindset. (laughs) All right. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy. Today is January 5th, 2016, a beautiful Tuesday here in the snowy South Perry District of Spokane, Washington. I've experienced a bit of seasonal depression. This seems to hit each year around this time, a little bit after the snow settles and I jog less and experience the sunshine less. And that's a part of life. Each season has its time and its place. And I feel it is the downsides of winter, which elevate the upsides of spring and summer. 
which are right around the corner. On a happy note, through the winter ups and downs, it was a bit difficult to finish writing the book as my normal healthy patterns were put aside, motivation and that that gusto to fearlessly drive forward was a bit uh, lacking. And I had some dental complications. <laughs> I didn't go to the dentist for a while and I had a chipped feeling that I waited a while to fix. And it was in part because of the fear of going to the dentist. And now it is fixed. I feel much better. And I went to a normal mainstream dentist at first who I feel overdiagnosed me with cavities. And something within my intuition said, switch dentists. And I did. I went to a holistic dentist and the approach was very different. I, in my head, I see it as opposite ends of the continuum. The first dentist treated me like cattle. <laughs> here's a problem, here's a solution, out the door. Here's a problem, here's a solution, out the door. Rather than taking an individual approach, a pink zone conscious evaluation of who I am as an individual and what is best for me as an individual. I think modern Western medicine in a lot of ways is mechanistic, that, uh, that cattle approach. With the filling complication, uh, he had just pointed it out and didn't say, okay, this is what, uh, let's fix that right away. It was all in my hands and I was terrified. So I put it off even more and that was not an ideal approach. I allowed fear to get the best of me within a professional's care. And I think that's a less than ideal meta for healthcare. Going to the holistic dentist, the approach was vastly different. So at the other end of the continuum, where the hygienist and dentist sat down, talked to me about oral hygiene, what foods are beneficial for gums and teeth. We talked about toothpastes, which ones are best. Also, I do an apple cider vinegar mouth rinse. We spoke about other types of mouth rinses. I felt it was a holistic approach, taking in account the whole body, the whole human in terms of healing. And <laughs> I told my buddy, I said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to a, a holistic dentist. This last one just uh, didn't tickle me the right way. And he said, oh, what are they going to do? Put rocks on your forehead? <laughs> and I feel there is a stigma in Western culture, modern society, here in Spokane, in uh, California too, uh, within my circles of peeps, where alternative medicine, holistic, um, different approaches from the norm are kind of threatening to consciousness in a sense because people have to let go of preconceived notions in order to confront new ways of thinking. And for me too, I'd never been to a holistic dentist. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew I wanted something different than what I had experienced and I was willing to 
go on a limb, change things up a bit. And I'm glad I did. The last dentist said I needed a cavity drilled and the new one said, no, just uh, keep brushing and flossing and uh, it'll be okay. It's not to the point of drilling. I think the other modern dentist was a bit drill happy. So I do encourage folks, if it's been a while since a dental checkup, maybe it's a good idea to look into holistic dentistry or whatever is best for the individual. And if intuition says something is off, get a second opinion. Sometimes it's challenging to make the time and spend the money to go to different places, but we only have one body and it's important to take care of that body. Now I feel much better. I feel as though I received professional guidance with regards to my healthcare as opposed to being sat on a conveyor belt and then just pushed through a system. I'm not a big fan of all that. And I have been more mindful about brushing twice a day and flossing at least once a day. I was not a regular flosser before. I am now and it feels good. It feels healthy. It's a little accomplishment. It doesn't take much time and I use the glide floss so it doesn't get stuck in my teeth and I feel better about myself throughout the day for taking small steps to improve the body and uh, what's going on. And also, uh, Mustachio does point out there are... Mustachio does point out in the past dentists had used metals, uh, mercury mixed with other things. I'm under the impression pure mercury is not toxic to humans, but what mercury is mixed with is, and there are fillings, amalgams of the past, which essentially leak poison. Um, I had some, I had those removed quite some time ago, but if it has been over 10 years or there are the old amalgam fillings, within the mouth, it may be a good idea to look into that. So we're talking about uh, oral hygiene and dental care and all those things. I, I think of uh, my grandparents, they have dentures and I would like to keep my teeth as long as I can. And that's another reason why I want to minimize drilling of my teeth. Teeth are regenerative. They can be remineralized. There are other modern day options which go beyond drilling for cavities. So I do encourage folks to look into this. Also, I listened to a podcast where one of the speakers had their wisdom teeth removed and cryogenically frozen because there are stem cells in wisdom teeth. So the idea is have the wisdom teeth removed, put into a kit um, at the time of removal, send them to a cryogenic freezing place, and then they are stored for future use in case there is some sort of health complication. The person has their individualized stem cells available to transplant into the body. This blew my mind. Modern medicine has all of these fantastic wonders I'm researching and learning about, and I encourage others to look into these as well. For a college biology report, I chose stem cells as the topic of interest. I think it's amazing. The human body 
produces cells which can essentially take on the form of any other cell or organ mechanism within the body. We as humans are miracle machines of healing. And I feel exercise, nutrition, meditation, um, healthy habits really help to heal and restore the body in times of complication. There we go with that. I am happy to have discovered holistic dentistry and I wanted to share that uh, with folks because I am one of those folks that are not a big fan of doctors and dentists and I I feel like a a pet at the, the veterinary place sitting in the chair, hearing people moving around, wondering what they're going to do to me and why am I here? And it's uh, a bit uncomfortable. In 2015, there are other options. We, as humans, get to choose what type of healthcare we seek. And I encourage folks to look into the different options. For today's episode, season one, episode 11, will be the second part of Pish Posh Words, A Conscious Approach to Communication, the 11 through 20 words. And with completion of this portion of the document, the book's done. I am done So I had thought after some of the harsh criticism received for the first part of the book to reword it and expand further, but I'm not going to. I'm going to do the opposite of what many authors do. Many authors first produce large, expanded books and then condense it over time. I am first offering a condensed version first, and then I will expand over time. Time is precious. When I read a book and learn information, I want it concise and digestible as possible. I don't need statistics or someone convincing me of something and over explaining, rewording stuff 15 different ways. That's a huge waste of time. Either I trust the author and will listen to the advice or I don't and I won't. Uh, I think one of the complications with modern books is over explanation. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) So it has taken me a really long time, uh, 10 years, to write this book. I left San Jose in 2008 with a desire to write this book. And it has changed, modified over time into something I had never even dreamed of. But I'm glad I was patient and stuck it out. So that's Pish Posh Words, A Conscious Approach to Communication. Hitting the presses soon. So the book is done. Oh, huge relief. Now it's just some polishing and then I need to figure out how to self-publish and get all that stuff done. We have received positive feedback with the five lists of TV shows, movies, podcasts, these types of things. It helps me with seasonal depression and a bit of that winter funk to get some laughs and some cognition from ye olde TV. So for today, we will be going over five movies and five podcasts. Number one for the movies, Idiocracy with Luke Wilson and Mike Judge from 2006. This is a satirical representation of the direction society is currently moving. 
It presents capitalism and potential consequences of a consumer-based society, as well as relativism. What is smart? In the movie, Luke Wilson is the smartest person on earth. (laughs) And this is due to, in essence, the direction of breeding and capitalism, where they're going now, where people with limited resources are breeding more than those with abundant resources and companies choosing profits over well-being of others. And it's a funny movie. I uh, watched it last night and I laughed out loud several times. I think Luke Wilson is a fantastic actor. Mike Judge is a genius in terms of creating content. He also is behind Beavis and Butthead, Silicon Valley, several other projects. I enjoy his kind of dark, realistic sense of humor. So I do encourage folks to check out Idiocracy. For me, it had been a couple years since I'd seen the movie, but for some reason it it kept popping in my head and I'm glad that I rewatched it. It is available on Amazon Prime for rental. So I just rented it and uh, got a few chuckles. So that is number one, Idiocracy. Number two, Words and Pictures with Clive Owen and Gerald De Pego. This is from 2013. This movie explores what is an education, challenges of being creative, and forgiveness, sight of the bigger picture, the interaction between the two main characters in this movie is a fantastic depiction of creatives, how they interact with one another, and the complications which come with creation and the forgiveness of temporary mindsets, as well as education. How can we, as adults, best educate youth? Is it hands-on learning? Is it root memorization? What is an education? So that is words and pictures. Number three, First Wives Club, with Diane Keaton and Olivia Goldsmith, 1996. I am a huge Diane Keaton fan. I think she is wonderful. I have enjoyed pretty much every movie she has been in. (laughs) And she is a bit like me, a uh, spinster. (laughs) Never been married, kind of beats to her own drum, and innovates. I like that, and her wardrobe is distinct and classy. I like that about Diane Keaton as well. Additionally, The First Wives Club has a great cast. I am also a Bette Midler and Goldie Hawn fan. I think they are fantastic women as well. The movie depicts witty humor in difficult situations. The cast is presented with many emotional challenges and it's what they do with those emotional challenges and band together to help women in their situation. I think it's a fun and enjoyable movie. I do like the epicenter of power of women working together. Us ladies, 
We gotta band together, help other women who experience similar complications that we ourselves face. Being an entrepreneur, making it in the business world is, I feel, a bit more difficult for women, but it's becoming less difficult. There were times, I believe less than a hundred years ago, where women weren't allowed to open bank accounts or vote or drive cars. Um, women's abilities were limited. Now our abilities are equal to men and it's time for us to grab the reins and fearlessly charge forward. <laughs> That is number three, First Wives Club. Number four, Fearless with Jeff Bridges and Rafael Iglesias from 1993. This movie expresses heartwarming compassion. And there was a scene in particular that struck me. Several years ago when I was in Seattle, I had just moved there. I didn't know anybody, I didn't have a job or know what school I was going to. I had recently experienced a tragedy where I felt responsible for the death of a loved one and had PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And how I would characterize this as a traumatic event where the person replays it over and over in their head. And that's what I did. For years, the apex of the tragedy I replayed in my head. And I was a shell of a human for about two years. And then about the fifth year, I kind of got myself together and about the 10th year, I was able to grieve in a healthy way. As opposed to in the beginning of PTSD, I blamed myself, I felt responsible, I felt terrible about who I was and that I was unable to save the life of a loved one. And I went to therapy, did many things, but oddly it was this movie, Fearless, that I was able to cry and really wail and cry and recover. One of the scenes, Jeff Bridges helps Rosie Perez with her PTSD and he wants to show her that she was unable to save the life of a loved one whom she felt responsible for. And it was the mixture of emotions, the compassion of Jeff Bridges and the lengths that he went through to show her it wasn't her fault. And then her experiencing a similar scenario and recognizing she wasn't able to save her loved one. It was very emotional for me and I was not expecting it. And I grew up with a mindset that crying meant failure. I didn't cry when life gave me complications, I sucked it up and just did what needed to be done. And since then, now that I'm older, after recovering from PTSD, I'm able to cry now. And I think it's healthy to cry. So I do encourage people who have experienced a traumatic event to cry. Whatever that may be, allow oneself permission to cry. That was a thing. I didn't give myself permission to cry because that meant I was a failure. That meant I was weak. But now I believe the opposite. I find strength 
in my tears and healing. Also, Mustachio does bring up another tool in recovering from PTSD was a guided meditation with Belarus Napersack. Napersent. <laughs> uh, look up Belarus. I think it's B-E-L-L-E-R-U-T-H. Guided meditation. And at the time, I didn't believe in meditation and that those things worked. I thought it was just a bunch of crap, but a therapist had recommended it to me. And I tend to listen to therapists. I figured I'm paying the money and taking the time. I might as well listen to them. So I did the guided meditation and that was greatly healing as well. And each person heals differently. And maybe this movie, Fearless, will evoke some healing as well. And for me, I watched it alone and I just cried and I felt a lot better. So maybe that's just what the doctor ordered. Watch the movie alone or with a loved one. If there is a comfort level to cry in front of someone else, I wouldn't allow myself to cry in front of anyone and, uh, and heal. I feel that's a center of this movie is healing and the mindset of PTSD, of essentially survivor's guilt. I think that's one of the things I felt was, why did he die and I lived? And I think that's a common feeling around death and losing a loved one is why them and not me? And there's a guilt surrounding that. Also, the movie Fearless depicts the beauty of a second chance in life. And that's something that I'm holding on to now. With many bumps in the road I've felt, I have been offered a second chance in life. Quite a few times. I've had near-death experiences as well. And, um... I would like to live each day to the fullest and be a bit like Jeff Bridges. Help other people to overcome a complication of the mind which I have overcame. And I have received a second chance at life. So that's number four, Fearless. Number five, Major League with Tom Berenger and David S. Ward, 1989. Ah, Major League, this was a favorite movie. For me, as a whippersnapper, even as a youth, I was a misfit. I was a misfit critten in the special classes. I didn't fit in anywhere. To see a group of misfits working together gave me hope that someday I would find my misfit crew. A couple months ago, Mustachio and I were hanging out and I was feeling down in the dumps. And he was like, hey, let's watch Major League. <laughs> And we did, and I felt rejuvenated. And especially with the three or four fans sitting in the stands when the team sucks. It's those few people that offer support regardless of what everyone else thinks. You know, oh, the, the Indians suck. Who wants to go see them? Who wants to support them? There's those few that don't care, that support and love regardless. And that's one of the things I take from Major League is I have my little group of Indians out in the stands who support and love me regardless of how bad I suck. <laughs> and that feels pretty darn good, especially because I can be quite a shithead. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it. I am a difficult person to deal with, to have devoted supporters feels great. 
and to the changes in the film from those handful of people to a packed stadium. The mindset, once a ball is in motion, inertia sets in. Something that is in motion tends to stay in motion. I feel that's coming up for 3H2 humans, for me and Mustachio, and for many people out there in the same position. Soon, the stadium will be filled. Major League also, for me, depicts an ideal mentor, the coach of the team. He doesn't tell people what to do or how to play. He encourages their strengths and works on their weaknesses. To me, that is a quality of an ideal mentor. All right, so the five movies are number one, Idiocracy. Number two, Words and Pictures. Number three, First Wives Club. Number four, Fearless. And number five, Major League. For the podcast, we have number one, Star Talk Radio with Neil deGrasse Tyson. NDT, Neil deGrasse Tyson, fantastic mentor. I think he goes by that same code of being a ideal mentor to teach as opposed to dictate. I think some educators have a because I said so mentality, but I feel Neil deGrasse Tyson has a I love this mentality and want to share it with people. I think that's where real learning happens is with passion. And there's a bunch of passion in Star Talk Radio. I also like how there is a wide range of guests and then there are experts and comedians and it's just a fantastically produced show. One of my favorite episodes is Conversations with God. I think that one is hilarious. I have listened to it several times and I feel that episode in particular displays Neil deGrasse Tyson's humorous side. He is an extremely intelligent person and also has a great sense of humor. If uh, Star Talk Radio is new, that might be a good place to start, Conversations with God. Also, he has expanded my thinking in terms of possibilities and to remind me there is so much more beyond Earth. Number two, Stuff You Should Know with Josh and Chuck. This is another greatly produced show. I feel there's very little pish-posh nonsense. These guys kind of get to the point, sprinkle in some humor, and also tackle any type of subject. I really like that. A recent episode that I enjoyed was How Gossip Works. They break it down and many of the points they bring up are points we like to talk about here with 3H2 in terms of pink zone and yellow zone. What is gossip? What is chit chat? What counts as a useful use of someone's words? I like too how they present objective viewpoints rather than have that because I said so mentality. Josh and Chuck just kind of throw it out there and let the audience decide what to do with the information. This show is also very entertaining. It's a, a thinking, learning show with some pizzazz. Very enjoyable. Number two, stuff you should know. Number three, the Joe Rogan experience with Joe Rogan and Brian Redband. I consider Joe Rogan to essentially be the podfather. <laughs> In my mind, he is the leader of the podcast revolution in a sense that he was the first famous person I listened to who had casual conversations and showed his 
true side. I felt as though when he was talking on air, he would be a similar person off air. I think that's something that many famous people, TV personalities, all that stuff is just mixed in with a bunch of crap. And I think Joe Rogan presented a realistic depiction of who he is. And I think that comes through beautifully. I feel it evokes truth within his guests as well. One of my favorite shows is number 550 with Rupert Sheldrake. I'm a big Rupert Sheldrake fan. Uh, He also wrote the book Science Set Free, 10 Paths to New Discovery. He challenges paradigms in science. And what I like is Joe Rogan asks everyday people kind of questions, questions that are on my mind as a layperson, things I would want to know if I were sitting down with Rupert Sheldrake. Also, Neil deGrasse Tyson was on the Joe Rogan show, Tim Ferriss, and some of the UFC fighters. I'm fascinated by UFC fighters and the warrior gladiator mindset. It's uh, great to be able to peek into the mind of these fantastic humans. I particularly like the wide range of guests. Similar to Star Talk Radio, it seems there's no genre that is off the table. As well, the casual chat. And it was the Joe Rogan show that motivated me to do a podcast, to start the 3H21, to have some sort of layperson's outlet for complicated subjects. So that is number three, the Joe Rogan experience. Number four, food as medicine with Dr. Anne. I enjoy how this podcast works towards a holistic approach to healing and health, where if there is some sort of ailment, oftentimes nutrition as opposed to pharmaceuticals can help heal it. On the show, there are several ailments, complications, um, diseases, those types of things where doctors, uh, pharmacists, Dr. Ann is a pharmacist. People who are classically trained in medicine but have done additional research in nutrition to heal people with food rather than pharmaceuticals. Great show. And I like how Dr. Anne is personable. She seems human. And that's one thing that I think is important within healthcare is bringing back that human component. Earlier, we talked about that first dentist I went to, and I felt like a cow on a conveyor belt just getting some routine, by-the-book thing done. And I don't feel humans are that way. Humans have so many unique characteristics and parameters to take a a shotgun approach and just throw some pills at someone and tell them to have a nice day or just drill a tooth and send them out the door. I don't think that's the best way to approach things. Dr. Ann is a great resource. I do encourage folks if there is some ailment to scroll through the feed and see if it's a topic she has covered and get some different viewpoints. That's number four, food as medicine with Dr. Ann. And number five, starting from nothing with Dane Maxwell and Andy Drish. The hosts are unique characters. They are a great personality study. I uh, love analyzing their vocabulary and questions and approaches. It's um, very mentally stimulating for me. 
Additionally, it was the Beard Brand episode that motivated me to go to Startup Weekend here in Spokane. And then after going to Startup Weekend, I moved to Spokane about two months later, seeking the entrepreneur life. Uh, Who knows if I had not listened to Starting From Nothing in that Beard Brand episode where the host commented each person would benefit from going to a startup weekend. I don't think I would have gone and I don't think I would have been motivated to move here. I might still be schlepping along over in Pullman or maybe move to a different city. So I am grateful for the motivation I've received from starting from nothing. And motivation in general, listening to entrepreneurs who share their stories of success and struggle. Many of them reveal their secret sauce for people who like to analyze vocabulary or want to get a peek into the mind of entrepreneurs. I do recommend starting from nothing. And the hosts, oh, I just get a kick out of them. They are, they wear their emotions on their sleeves and I really respect that. So that's number five, starting from nothing. So we have for the five podcasts, number one, Star Talk Radio. Number two, Stuff You Should Know. Number three, The Joe Rogan Experience. Number four, Food as Medicine. And number five, Starting from Nothing. Woo! All right, so that's a bit of a longin' here, um, but that's okay. We've uh, we've got time. I uh, did not flip over the hourglass, so essentially time is infinite right now. But let's go ahead and flip it over. We want to keep the show under two hours. That is our goal. All right, the hourglass has been flipped for today. Our listener challenge is to make a chart for daily supplements. That's what I call it. I wouldn't necessarily call everything on this chart a supplement, but that's what I do. (laughs) I keep it on the refrigerator and I have columns. The very left are categories and things that I strive to do each day. And then to the right are smaller columns with check boxes and then the date at the very top. So a goal is to accomplish as many of these feats as I can per day. And then one of the best things with this is it shows which ones I do most frequently and which ones I need to give more attention to. Go ahead and read. These are my daily supplement goals. Ooh, maybe that's better. Daily supplement goals. They are exercise, protein shake, Omega supplement, protein food, calcium and magnesium supplement, multivitamin, raw fresh vegetable, apple cider vinegar, floss, and sleep. I feel if I can accomplish the majority of these each day, I chalk that day up as a win. And especially with kind of the funk felt in winter, in the cold and in the dark, I like to rake in as many wins as I can. And I like its pink zone tangibility. I'm able to look at the chart and see, okay, what areas do I need to improve on? And which ones am I completing on a regular basis? So with the exercise, that's usually a kettlebell workout with a meditation oasis in the background. 
The protein shake I'm drinking now, it's called Syntha 6. It has amino acids and protein. The Omega is an omega-3 dropper supplement. The protein food varies. So I am consciously eating a healthy, high-protein meal each day. Right now, it's vegetable soup with beans. That's my uh, protein food. Then the calcium and magnesium supplement, a liquid vitamin in a sense. Then a multivitamin, I take the Alive refrigerated multivitamin. And then a veggie fresh. Most days it's a salad with chopped up Brussels sprouts, peppers, broccoli, cauliflower, celery, just a mix of raw vegetables. Apple cider vinegar, I get a tall glass of water and then just pour some in there and drink it, swish it around my mouth, get all that healthy probiotic goodness. And I do use the Bragg's apple cider vinegar with the mother. So it has that weird filmy kind of stuff in it. That's the goodness, the good part. And then flossing. I have been flossing each day and it's no longer a pain. In the beginning, it was a bit cumbersome but now I enjoy it, oddly. And sleep. I am cognizant of getting restful, restorative sleep. And then keeping track of it, I have fits of insomnia where I'll only sleep a couple hours a night, I'm restless, I'm anxious, and I think it's important for me to be aware of those times and to put it into check. If that means taking a nap in the middle of the day because I didn't sleep the night before, then I need to do that. You encourage folks who do have sleep complications to address them. The overall enjoyment of life is increased when sleep is increased. Restful sleep is had. And this is restful sleep without sleeping pills. I had a neuropsychology professor announce to the class that sleeping pills were kind of like a band-aid on something that needed stitches. It's, um, it's a fake sense of restorativeness. <laughs> of, thank you, <laughs> of restoration. <laughs> if sleeping pills are being used for sleep, then I would not use it as a check mark. It's been, oh gosh, probably 15 years since I've taken sleeping pills. And I think that's a wise choice for me and something to look into. That's today's listener challenge. Make a little chart of daily supplement goals. I imagine they will be different from mine. Each person has their own unique ideas of what health, happiness, and a humble perspective are. So uh, for me, I just cut a three by five note card in half and I use that as my uh, little chart. It's not expensive or cumbersome. It's quite easy. I stick it on the fridge and um, do my little check marks. If I'm out and about, then I'll take it with me. It's fun for me to keep track of my healthy habits and chalk up wins. So that's today's listener challenge. All right, and Mustachio says no time for story time. Today, the um, little bit about the dentist and uh, the five movies and five podcasts was uh, sufficient for chit chat for today. So we're gonna go ahead and dive into the document, the last part of the Pish Posh Words book. 
which has the second part of the words, 11 through 20. Number 11, clearly, arrogant, ego, illogical, subconscious, no self-actualization. Replace with logical words to include individual perspective. Definition, easy to perceive or determine with certainty. Examples, yellow zone. Clearly people who earn a salary wage make more money. Pink zone. Desire for salary over hourly depends on the individual. Clearly is an arrogant word which discounts individual perspective. What is easy to perceive for one is not easy to perceive for all. When communicating, formulate words with a humble perspective. Consciously recognize background knowledge varies from person to person. What is clear to one is not necessarily clear to all. Reread the examples above. Examine emotions behind a choice to select clearly to convey an opinion. The yellow zone statement depicts a common illogical use of clearly. In this scenario, the speaker believes a salary wage to be superior to all forms of payment. A logical person recognizes salary as a payment method as opposed to payment quantity. The pink zone example expresses a more logical viewpoint with regard to payment method for employment. Salary, hourly, self-employment, these words do not designate amount as implied by the yellow zone statement. More often than not, when clearly is used, a speaker is speaking subconsciously rather than consciously formulating words. Omit words which reveal hidden emotions such as clearly. Action item. Three stages of clearly in three weeks. Number one, investigate the word clearly. Write down 10 concepts which are clearly known to oneself. Rewrite the statements to reflect a pink zone understanding. Number two, listen for clearly throughout daily life. Investigate. Why did the person elect to use this word? What are potential hidden emotions behind using clearly to convey a message? Number three, omit clearly. Formulate words with conscious attention to logic. Number 12, girl. Illogical, subconscious, aggressive, ego, no self-actualization. Replace with woman when referring to a female within a sexual context. Definition, a female child. Examples, yellow zone. Look at the sexy girl sitting at the bar. Pink zone. Look at the sexy woman sitting at the bar. Examine the yellow zone statement above. To witness a girl being described as sexy is to be within an uncomfortable, disrespectful situation. To say a girl is sexy is to say a child is sexy, as the word girl is used to designate a female child. Formulate words with conscious attention. Girls play with dolls. Women play with men. The pink zone description of a... The pink zone description of a similar situation is more appropriate, logical, respectful, and mature. When desiring to depict a female within a sexual context, consciously select the word woman. Woman designates a female of sexual maturity. When beyond a point of sexual maturity, designate males and females as men and women. Oddly, 
This phenomenon of misrepresentation of words is largely one-sided. Rarely do speakers refer to boys in a sexual context. Listen for mismatched word combinations such as men with girls, guys with girls, and dudes with girls. Question a speaker when girl is used within a sexual context. Likely, the speaker lacks maturity to recognize words are formulated through a subconscious rather than conscious process. Action item. Three stages of girl in three weeks. Number one, conduct research. Listen to those who teach relationship advice. Are mismatched word combinations used such as men with girls? Is the word girl used to describe a woman who is of sexual maturity? Number two, listen for the word girl within everyday life. What hidden emotions surround a misapplication of girl? Number three, omit the word girl when referring to a woman within a sexual context. Question a speaker if girl is used in place of woman. Number 13, impossible, illogical, ambiguous, subconscious, Avoidance, ego. Replace with challenge. Allow for infinite possibilities. Definition, incapable of being or occurring. Examples, yellow zone. To earn a Nobel Peace Prize is impossible. Pink zone, to earn a Nobel Peace Prize will be a challenge. There is a slight yet significant difference between the pink zone and yellow zone statements above. Offer conscious awareness toward thoughts which arise from examining these minor differences. If both speakers desire to win a Nobel Peace Prize, who is more likely to achieve the goal? When impossible is tossed around to mean challenging, possibilities are hindered. To state a feat is impossible is to add doubt as a variable within word formulation. Sprinkle infinite potential within ideas by exchanging impossible with challenge. Offer room for the unexpected to come into fruition. Explore. What type of existence is desired? One of impossible feats or challenges of will? Consider an effect of words on a neuronal level within a brain. With each thought, word read, or heard, unique neuronal connections are created. These connections alter behavior, calculate probability, and ultimately define a person's character. Within small circumstances, a bigger picture of the self is created. Humans become what they eat and what they speak. Action item. Three stages of impossible in three weeks. Number one, create a 10 list of actions from the past which have been accomplished yet were thought of as impossible. Number two, listen for impossible within conversations. Challenge those who use the word to rethink their position. Is the subject discussed truly impossible? Number three, omit impossible from word formulation. Number 14, regret. Illogical, subconscious, no self-actualization, avoidance. Replace with acceptance. Plan for an ideal outcome in similar situations. Definition. Sorrow caused by something beyond one's power to remedy. Examples. Yellow zone. I regret courtship with my ex-partner. Pink zone. I have learned from past relationships. Evaluate the above perspectives. Which speaker is perhaps closer to self-actualization? Matters of the heart 
often cloud a logical grasp of a shared reality with others. The yellow zone speaks of regret, whereas the pink zone shares insight into learning. To designate a memory as regret or opportunity for growth is a choice. Stating regret discounts hidden advantages of failure. Similar to a buried treasure, regret, when unearthed through discovery, often reveals an unexpected bounty. A keystone of overcoming regret lays within creation of an ideal future outcome. An ideal outcome is created within present moment awareness through learning from struggle. Discover advantages gained through complicated, unexpected scenarios. If an outcome is beyond control, submit to circumstance. Evaluate what is possible within parameters available within a present moment. The above example is familiar for many. To leave a relationship offers challenges. To ingest, reflect, and modify behavior learned from a relationship offers reward. Ask, how is a situation to be remedied with what is had as opposed to what is lost? Action item, three stages of regret in three weeks. Number one, examine five relationships which have come and gone. What are three lessons learned through those relationship experiences? What modifications to behavior will assist in an ideal outcome within similar situations in the future? Number two, listen for the word regret as spoken through daily life. Who uses this word and why? Number three, omit the word regret. Replace it with acceptance. Reflect upon a desire to use the word and alter thoughts towards a progressive thought process. Number 15, lonely, illogical, subconscious, avoidance, ego, no self-actualization. Replace with introspect or serve. Appreciate time alone to improve. Definition, being without company, sad from being alone. Examples, yellow zone. Saturday nights are lonely when I'm by myself. Pink zone, Saturday nights alone offer time for self-reflection and service. Lonely implies decreased intelligence and lack of self-actualization. Life experiences move quickly during times of productivity, learning, and self-improvement. Consciously examine value of one's time, in particular, time spent alone to gather one's own thoughts. Compare the above yellow zone and pink zone statements. Which speaker's mindset is relatable to oneself? If a mindset of lonely enters conscious thought, replace it with serve. No matter how big or small, to serve another or the community is a worthy use of time. Volunteer, pick up garbage or help a family member with a task. If a task of introversion is desired, stay home, introspect upon one's environment and current life path. Reflect, what improvements will assist in progression towards an ideal life path? A stagnant environment breeds negative emotions, including lonely, bored, and regret. If these words pop into cognitive thought, simple acts such as going for a walk, cleaning the fridge, or doing light yoga will help to reboot the mind in a positive direction. Set a timer for five minutes. Use this time to alter neuronal connections towards positive, progressive patterns of behavior. Action item. Three stages of lonely in three weeks. Number one, 
Visualize habits of five mentors. What would they do if thoughts of lonely entered their mind? Write down three accomplishments of each mentor. Can these feats be replicated through one's own unique process of critical thinking? Number two, flip the script. How have others been assisted by one's own actions? Reflect on past efforts of help and healing for others. Are there people who will benefit from continuing a path of service? Number three, omit the word lonely from vocabulary. Explore a myriad of beneficial words which will replace this and similar debilitating emotions. Number 16, boredom. Illogical, avoidance, Subconscious, ego, no self-actualization. Replace with create. When restless, become active. Do through the dull. Definition. The condition of being weary and restless because of dullness. Examples. Yellow zone. I'm so bored because there's nothing to do today. Pink zone. I appreciate downtime and will create today. Life ebbs and flows as waves in the ocean. Busy beyond belief to seemingly empty, sand becomes absent of water. While waiting for the next big adventure, create. Enjoy freedom of free will as presented within the pink zone statement above. If offered a choice, which of the two speakers above presents a more desirable companion while on adventure with life? To be bored is to imply a lack of creative ability. During downtime, appreciate a lull of chaos and create. Creativity takes on infinite shapes and forms. Offer attention towards a dusty art project, unfinished music tune, or organizational project around the home. Tap into positive, creative energy amplified through free time sans stressful timelines imposed by others and the self. If creative mojo is lacking, rest when thoughts of bored or restless enter the mind. Catch up on sleep. Allow the body to heal and repair. Be conscious of nutrition, exercise, and cognitive needs. Examine healthy habits of the past. Which habits have slowly drifted beyond a scope of daily activities? Are thoughts of boredom caused by a lack of fulfillment of basic needs? Action items. Three stages of boredom in three weeks. Number one, compare and contrast the words boredom and gratitude. Write down behaviors and thoughts which are triggered through these words in two columns. Number two, explore forgotten hobbies. What are five enjoyable activities which have been lost to the chaos of living a busy life? What are positive emotions associated with these hobbies? Number three, remove the concept of boredom from conscious word formulation. Think before speaking. Number 17, love. Illogical, ambiguous, subconscious, avoidance. Replace with enjoy. Use love to identify a loyal bond with another life form. Definition, strong affection unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for others. Examples. Yellow zone. I love watching movies on TV during downtime. Pink zone. I enjoy watching movies on TV during downtime. The pink and yellow zone statements above have a slight yet significant difference within word formulation. Love 
is intended to express a loyal bond with another life form. Televisions provide joy for humans rather than love. To express love is to express an illogical representation of the core meaning of this word. The pink zone example uses enjoy, a more logical word choice when referring to an inanimate object. Similar to crying wolf, to express love towards everyday objects degrades this word's meaning. With overuse, a genuine desire to express love towards a human loses its power. Love is intended to relay loyal and benevolent concern for others. It is here, within the word others, which is lost when directed towards objects. Love is logical when other life forms are the subject of love. What word is more powerful than love? If a subject of admiration arises, select one of several alternative words which logically convey thoughts. Catch oneself when using love towards objects. Is a feeling truly one of love? When overused through a subconscious selection of words, love becomes something else. It loses its meaning. Think before crying wolf. Action item. Three stages of love in three weeks. Number one, how often is the word love used within one's own vocabulary? Is love directed towards life forms or objects? Offer conscious attention to the use of love within everyday life. Number two, examine speech patterns of others. Do mentors, coworkers, or friends illogically use love? Discuss this topic with others. Be conscious of how love feels. Express love sparingly in order to amplify its meaning when a logical application of the word is desired. Number 18, moral judgments. Illogical, arrogant, ego, no self-actualization, subconscious. Replace with individual perspective, personal opinion rather than judgment. Definition of or relating to principles of right and wrong, perceptual or psychological rather than tangible or practical in nature or effect. Examples. Yellow zone. Getting fired from a job is bad. Pink zone. Getting fired from a job creates new opportunities. The yellow zone statement above is common as a first reaction to a situation beyond control. In contrast, the pink zone mode of thinking is more calculated and beneficial in the long run. As confusion of new stimuli sets in, neuronal connections seek to define a change in life parameters and what it means for an individual moving forward. An occupation held is a defining characteristic for many people. When a defining characteristic such as a job, relationship status, or housing situation is altered from the norm, a moment of shock strikes the mind. Offer conscious awareness towards word formulation. Are moral judgments included within a thought process? Moral judgments are tools of omnipotent beings, deities, God. Humans lack foresight needed in order to determine good and bad, right and wrong. To label a behavior, especially actions of another, as good or bad is to act as God. Consider individual perspectives. What is seemingly right for oneself is not necessarily right for another. Action item. Three stages of moral judgments in three weeks. 
Number one, listen for moral judgments from others. Reflect. Why did the speaker select words? Is the thought process used one of subconscious or conscious word formulation? Number two, be mindful of one's own use of moral judgments. When discovered, replace with a perspective of opinion as opposed to judgment. Number three, omit good and bad, right and wrong from conscious speech. Encourage others to be mindful of these words as well. Number 19, group distinctions. Illogical, ego, assumptions, subconscious. Replace with specific detail to relay desired concept. Definition, a number of individuals related by a common factor as physical association, community of interests, or blood. Examples, yellow zone. All Washingtonians are Democrats because it's a blue state. Pink zone. A majority of voters in Washington vote Democrat. As with many of the previous examples, the pink and yellow zone statements above possess a slight yet distinct logical variance. The yellow zone speaks of all people within a group to vote the same, whereas the pink zone uses a qualifier devoid of absolutes to convey a point. When speaking of a group, be mindful of absolutes and minimize them. Subconscious processes rely on group distinctions, stereotypes, and stigmas to understand an ever-changing environment. Grouping like things together helps the brain make sense of unfamiliar stimuli. A key to optimizing group distinction function is within lifting a stereotype from subconscious to conscious cognition. To become aware of their core fallacy, group distinctions are rarely accurate as they consist of individuals. Group distinctions are common within mass media, podcast speakers, and everyday chit-chat. Be mindful of when, how, and why they are being used. If used within one's own speech, slow down the mind. Lift word formulation to reflect a conscious approach to communication. Recognize people as individuals with similar yet unique traits. To comment all people within a group as the same is to present an illogical perspective of reality. Action item. Three stages of group distinctions in three weeks. Number one, explore group distinctions. Write down the first 10 which come to mind. How are these stereotypes inaccurate in terms of an individual perspective? Number two, be mindful of hearing and speaking group distinctions. Why is there a need to group people together with a defining quality? What differences are there among the group? Number three, omit group distinctions and stigmas from conscious word formulation. Replace ambiguous speech with specific detail to convey a desired concept. Number 20, absolutes. Illogical, aggressive, ego, ambiguous, arrogant, subconscious. Replace with a logical pictorial of reality. Few things are truly absolute. Definition, free from imperfection or mixture, not disputable. Examples, yellow zone. Everyone who works in an office eats fast food for lunch. Pink zone. Many people who work in an office eat fast food for lunch. Often, people use absolutes as a hyperbole to exaggerate a point as witnessed with the yellow zone example above. 
The speaker is intending to make a point, expressing a majority of people who work in an office eat fast food. A complication with this perspective is it lacks logic and falsifies a speaker. For those who seek a pink zone conversation, absolutes are best omitted. The pink zone statement expresses a similar point, but with a more logical perspective, devoid of red flags flown by falsified yellow zone speakers. If one sentence from a speaker is logically false, chances are more statements made by the speaker will be false as well. When communicating, omit absolutes and present an accurate pictorial of reality as a means to express a desired point. Few things in life are free from imperfection or mixture. Investigate a code of the universe which implies infinite possibilities as opposed to absolutes. Consciously choose words which are within the pink zone. Lure a listener in with accuracy of words. Subconscious scans of a speaker make note of exaggeration and hyperboles. Offer a listener a clean scan of enticing vocabulary. Action item. Three stages of absolutes in three weeks. Number one, what is an absolute? How many things are truly absolute? Number two, ingest, reflect, and modify use of absolutes. Explore, why are absolutes selected? Why is there a desire to exaggerate a situation? Number three, omit absolutes from word selection. If a speaker uses an absolute, question their word choice. Reach a pink zone understanding when engaged within a discussion. All right, so that is the second half of the Pish Posh Words. We have number 11, clearly. Number 12, girl. 13, impossible. 14, regret. 15, lonely. 16, boredom. 17, love. 18, moral judgments. 19, group distinctions and 20 absolutes. And that makes up Pish Posh Words, A Conscious Approach to Communication. The objective of this book is to lift the formulation of words from a subconscious mechanistic process to a conscious cognitive exercise, to be aware of what is being spoken and what is desired to be conveyed. Oftentimes, Words and thoughts don't match. This book is a tool to help align thoughts and words. All right, Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.